ओम ज्ञान चिरंधस्यज्ञानंजनशलाकाय चक्षुरमीलितम येना तस्मै श्री गुरवे नमः दिस प्रेयर टू द सिक्स गोस्वामीज ऑफ वृंदावन इज रिटन बाय श्रीला श्रीनिवास आचार्य ही इज ग्लोरिफाइंग great pure devotees of the lord acharyas he himself is also in the same category of a great realized pure devotee <coughs> for whom vrindavan <coughs> is not as we see it how do we see it vrindavan well we see vrindavan bhuma vrindavan Vrindavan manifested in this world. Who's seen Vrindavan? Who's who's been to Vrindavan and seen or theoretically seen Vrindavan? Hmm? Yeah, we see with these eyes. We've seen. So we see Vrindavan as a uh, well. Now it's become a modern town off the Delhi Agra Highway, and in a bit. now it's choked with cars even 30 years ago it was a small country town now there's so much land development and traffic jams and shops and it's become a religious extension of delhi it seems even 30 years ago prabhupad was saying that it's not as good as it used to be they they, they deliberately made pollution of the yamuna river so that we're trying to have a little culture here with the men on one side and the women on the other yes translation yes so prabhu said that the uh, the government had deliberately made factories with pollution upstream of the yamuna to pollute the waters of the yamuna to discourage people from bathing there that was prabhupada's assessment and definitely the uh, the first governments of post war india were very openly anti religious as the first prime minister of supposedly independent india said that the the factories of modern india sorry the temples of modern india will be the factories he he wanted less temples and more factories so we see a a modern town with a lot of commerce a lot of commercial activity land in that area prices are going up all the time and there are many disputes over land and properties but the vrindavan that the six goswamis lived in was less developed they are the they themselves oversaw the construction of temples and the radha kund was just a, a small practically unnoticed pond at that time before 
the uh, it was made into a bathing place for pilgrims. The importance of Radha Kund was re-established, and at that time, of course, there were there were no metal roads, there were lots of forests, and as in most of India at that time, in the forests there were wild animals, including tigers, quite common. But even that, the the pristine Vrindavan where the six Goswamis wandered saying, Hey Radhe, Rajate, Vikeja, Lalite, Hey Nandasuna, Kutaha. They wandered throughout the forests of Vrindavan calling out, Oh, son of Nanda Maharaj Krishna, Oh Radharani, where are you? Where are you? They were wandering in the forests of Vrindavan like that. But even that pristine Vrindavan, pristine means original and pure, original, pure, like that. That was, uh, <clears throat> that is not the, even if we could see Vrindavan like that. But Vrindavan is to be seen with the eyes, Premanjana Churita Bhakti Vilochanena, Santasadaiva Hridayeshu Vilokayanti, Yang Shamasundaram Achintyaguna Swarupam Govindamadi Purushantamaham Bajami. Vrindavan is to be seen with the eyes of love by which one always sees Krishna in his inconceivable transcendental form. So Vrindavan is manifested in this sphere. We can geographically locate it as being about little more than a hundred kilometers south southeast of Delhi. But the that is non different from the Vrindavan of the spiritual world. This is Bhuma Vrindavan or Vrindavan manifested in this world. But Vrindavan is home of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna his home. Vaikuntha is his, you can say it's more like his uh, his palace. But Vrindavan is his home. So the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, they are representatives of Krishna in this world who came to this world along with Krishna when he came as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to reveal Vrindavan to the world. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he came to reveal that. And the six Goswamis, they assisted him by Lupta Tirta Udha, by finding out the lost holy places of Vrindavan and again uh, arranging that they, for, them, for them to be uh, renovated, new temples to be built and writing about them because people didn't know. It was... It was lost. Knowledge of Vrindavan was lost. And by preaching the topics of Krishna consciousness as given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, especially the six Goswamis were very busy with Nana Shastra Vita, studying many, many scriptures and giving the actual under... What is the deepest meaning of the scriptures? 
Jiva Goswami especially, Jiva Goswami Prabhupada, the, the youngest of the six Goswamis, systematically uh, gave the conclusion of all the scriptures based on Srimad Bhagavatam, which the Srimad Bhagavatam itself is the conclusion of all the scriptures. Nigamakalpatara Galitam Palam. It is the ripened fruit of the desire tree of the Vedic scriptures. There are so many different prescriptions in the Vedic scriptures. So many different processes can be followed. In Karmakanda, performing different sacrifices, worshipping different demigods, performing various austerities. Then in Jnanakanda, studying the Upanishads, trying to, by discriminating between spirit and matter, becoming detached from matter. But the actual fruit of the the, the uh, topmost fruit of the tree of Vedic knowledge is playing with the Madanga? Yes, playing Madanga, but not now. Please listen. Yeah, please listen to the class. You know. uh, that is bhakti, devotion to Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Um, because we are in this world and we are trying to uh, enjoy it, then when we cease the attempt to enjoy it, we may, by cult attempt to, by knowledge to become detached from it, and we may think that is the topmost achievement. But higher than the power and the ability to enjoy, which comes from following the path of karma, and higher than the path of knowledge is the path of love, simply to love Krishna. So Vrindavan is the topmost dham or abode of the Supreme Lord because there love is predominant, even above knowledge of Krishna's opulences. And Jiva Goswami revealed this in his exegetical works on the based on Srimad Bhagavatam, known as Shachandarva in which he showed for those who have faith in scriptural knowledge, and for those who don't have faith in scriptural knowledge, then Agyas Chasha Dathanas Cha, as in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, those who are ignorant and do not have faith, ignorant of and don't have faith in the scriptures, Sangshayat Navinashati, they are destroyed, they're faithless persons, they cannot make any progress. Nayam lokosti na paro nasukam sangshayatnama. That neither in this world or in the future, neither in this life nor in a future life can they attain any happiness. So the the basis of transcendental understanding is faith in scripture. And Jiva Goswami has shown by the process of uh, scriptural analysis that Srimad Bhagavatam is the topmost scripture and that um, Srimad Bhagavatam establishes Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Not as the original form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Not a <coughs> not an expansion of Narayana. is generally considered by various Vaishnav Sampradayas, that Narayan is 
the original form of God. And Krishna is an expansion of him. And it seems like that. Because Narayan exhibits more power. And Krishna plays as a cowherd boy. And who would you think is supreme? If you see a, the president of the country go past with a big cavalcade of cars and all police security arrangements and army men accompanying him. And then you see a, a, a cowherd boy wandering in the fields with a few cows. Not a few, actually Krishna has many cows. But anyway, a, a cowherd boy and they say, well, actually this this cowherd boy, he's more important than the president. No, come on, that's ridiculous. The president must be more important. They're giving so much importance to him. You see this cowherd boy, how can you say he's God? People are slapping him on the back and climbing up on his shoulders. And he's just imitate this. You're saying he's God and he's imitating monkeys and stealing his friend's lunch pack and they're stealing his lunch pack. How can you say he's God? So it appears from our perspective that Narayan must be supreme. But Jiva Goswami, of course, before him also, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami also established that. And Jiva Goswami systematically established that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead because power is not the main consideration. Krishna has all the power of Narayana and he shows it from time to time. But a lot of the time he doesn't show it, it's covered or he, he simply doesn't exhibit it because he wants to have loving exchanges with his devotees. And if, if, there's, if you're always showing off your power, power means to show one's superiority, to dominate others. Power inspires fear and reverence. But in, in love, if there's fear and reverence, then love cannot be very deep. So Krishna, he has all power. He is all power. He is all powerful. But he doesn't exhibit that all the time. And most of the time in Vrindavan, especially in Vrindavan, he doesn't exhibit that. Krishna also performs pastimes in two other principal places, namely Mathura and Dwarka. And in those places, he does exhibit his power. But then, Krishna in Mathura and Dwarka, his lila is not considered so sweet as that in Vrindavan. And as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu analyzed, Madhurja Bhagavata Shah, that the essence of Bhagavan, God, his godliness, Bhagavan's Bhagavata, is his sweetness, not his power. Not his wealth, not his being worshipped, young Brahma, Varanendra, Rudra, Maratastra, Stunvanti, Divyayastavai, all the different devas, Brahma, Shiva, Vayu, Chandra, Indra, they're all worshipping Krishna. But that, among the topmost devotees, they do not take that to be the essence of Krishna's. Uh, godliness, that his sweetness, which is ex ex expressed in loving exchanges, this is the most important point. That pure devotees, they're not even very much interested, the, the Vrindavan devotees are not very much interested in the 
power of Bhagavan, but they are interested in serving him in loving exchanges. So this, the six Goswamis, on behalf of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, reveal this to the world. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he is Krishna himself, tasting the sweetness of himself. How sweet it is to love Krishna. Krishna is the supreme enjoyer. Bhuktaram, Yagyatapasam, Sarva Loka Maheshwaram, Suhridam Sarva Bhutanam, Gyatva Mang Shantim Rinchati. In Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says that I am the enjoyer of all sacrifices and austerities. I am the Lord of all planets and all people. I'm the friend of all living beings. Those who know this attain peace. So Krishna is the supreme enjoyer. Everything is meant for his enjoyment. But he sees, he observes, that my pure devotees, they sacrifice everything, they give everything for serving me, for increasing my pleasure. But in doing so, the pleasure that they perceive is more, the pleasure that they get from serving me is more than the pleasure that I get from being served. So I'm being cheated. I'm supposed to be the supreme enjoyer, but they're enjoying more than me. So therefore he takes the position of a devotee to appreciate his own sweetness, which he can't do as long as he's in the role of the supreme enjoyer. So the... the role of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is uh, very mysterious and deep and difficult to understand because mostly uh, even those who are very great Vaishnavas they cannot get beyond the concept of seeing God as all-powerful or even they appreciate Krishna his childhood pastimes in Vrindavan and the sweetness of his pastimes in Vrindavan. But they can never give up. It's very difficult for them to give up the the concept or the consciousness of him being supreme. So the uh, this is why they, they can't, it's very difficult for them to appreciate the pastimes of Krishna with the gopis. Because it's, it seems to be just too much, too far. That God is the supreme, He's the most powerful, so why is He acting like that? But it's the lack of appreciation of Krishna's pastimes with the gopis is almost borders on offense to Krishna. So, therefore, in uh, many Vaishnavas, they, they don't comment on that or they don't go very deeply into it because. It's very difficult to understand, even for many great devotees, uh, how Krishna is intimately enjoying, enjoying loving affairs, which from our perspective seems to be, seem to be like the sexual affairs of persons in this world, which is abominable. That is, the, the sexual attraction in this world is the cause of bondage in this world. But understanding that this world is the perverted reflection of the spiritual world, therefore that which is the, at the bottom, that which is the lowest or the most degraded, the uh, non-marital 
sexual affairs. Of course, in modern Germany, that's considered quite normal. But then modern Germany is quite abnormal when it comes to the point of actual human civilization, although they think they're at the top of human civilization. That's just another feature of their abnormality. So the, uh, the bottom rung, or the most degraded activity, is illicit sexual affairs. But in spiritual reality, that's the topmost. And it's not, but it's not actually illicit. It only appears to do so because there's no, there's nothing abominable for the Supreme Lord. There's nothing illicit. So it's understood that this, although that feeling is there, that that the gopis they are wives of other persons. They cannot be because everyone is part and parcel of Krishna. They cannot belong to anyone. No one can belong to anyone else more than they belong to Krishna. That is our intrinsic, the intrinsic relationship of every jiva is with Krishna. And other relationships that we may say, this is my wife, this is my husband, these are my children, I am German, I am Indian. These are at best secondary and not actually true at all. It doesn't pertain to the jiva at all. That this is my wife, this is my husband. These are temporary relationships. <clears throat> of course, while we're in this world, we have to observe religious and moral principles. So, uh, marriage is a religious uh, sacrament and that should be taken seriously. But at the same time, we should understand that the real husband and wife are Lakshmi Narayan, Sita Ram, Rukmini Krishna. And we are to serve them. And we can, actually, if we are Krishna conscious, then we can, we can, as husband and wife, go to the spiritual world and serve Lakshmi Narayan as husband and wife in a permanent relationship. But even beyond the uh, husband and wife relationship of Lakshmi Narayan is the apparent boyfriend-girlfriend relationship between Krishna and the gopis. So the sense of risk in that, although there's no risk, but the, that sense heightens the intensity of love. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to preach this, and it's a risk. He came to enjoy this. Uh, enjoy means in service. In enjoyment in Krishna consciousness means service to Krishna. Not that we try to enjoy Krishna, but we try to serve Krishna. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. So he came to find out to, to experience as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu he came to experience what is the bliss of serving Krishna as long as he is Krishna he can't experience that but he can't stop being Krishna because he is Krishna so he becomes Radha Bhava Duti Suvalitam Naomi Krishna Swarupa 
he is Krishna, but he accepts the feelings and the bodily luster of Srimati Radharani. So he doesn't think of himself as Krishna, but he thinks of himself as a devotee. And when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes, he comes with all his associates, principal among whom are the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, who on behalf of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, preached, they were the first preachers or actually not so much going out and preaching, but they nana shastra vichar by studying the various scriptures. They laid, they gave the uh, theological basis for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings to be preached. They systematically established that, or they did the first work, or the major, the first and the major work in theologically establishing what are Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. Otherwise, it was, even now there are people who say, well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was just a sentimentalist. He was just dancing and singing and crying and falling on the ground. But, but uh, of course, he's not just anything. To say he's just something is immediately offensive. He is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Yadadvaitam Brahma Upanishadi Tadapyasyatanuva Ya Atman Taryami Purusha Itisyo Sangsa Vibhavaha Shadaisvarya Purna Bhagavan Yahiha Saswayamayam Nachaitanyat Krishna Jagati Paratattvam Paramiha The Brahma Jyoti, the, the effulgence, the spiritual effulgence, which is the source of all light, the source of that Brahma Jyoti is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The Paramatma, the Super Soul expanded in everyone's heart, is an expansion of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He is the Supreme Personality of God, Godhead, Bhagavan, replete with six principal opulences. Therefore, there is no higher principle in this world or anywhere else than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And you say, you say well, that's Krishna, isn't it? He's the source of the Brahma Jyoti. He's the Paramatma in everyone's heart. He's the Supreme Lord, full with six opulences. Yes, that's Krishna. But Krishna is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is the point to be understood. So if we say he's just a sentiment, he's not just anything. He is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But he uh, is, there's some accusations that he was just a sentimentalist. But no, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita that he instructed Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami, Vande Rupa Sanatana, the first or the two leaders of the six Goswamis. Uh, he instructed them uh, systematically for many days each and instructed them to write books based on his instructions. So what he gave uh, in synopsis, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught them in synopsis, they expanded into uh, many books explaining the, uh, f the philosophy of Krishna consciousness and not just explaining but uh, giving dramas and works which demonstrated 
and gave us the gift of rasa. That's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu especially came to taste and to distribute Vraja Bhakti Ras, the the mellow, the loving mellows of devotion to Krishna in Vrindavan, which was hidden. It was there in Srimad Bhagavata, but particularly Chaitanya Mahaprabhu opened. He gave the key, he gave the understanding by which we could enter into that. And it's not it's not a very cheap thing. It may be considered, oh, what's this, some, some cowherd boy running with some cows. And, but it's not a cheap thing. We find that even the, the greatest of all devotees in Dwaraka, out of the many, many thousands of devote, great devotees, Vasudev, Devaki, Ugrasena, so many, Krishna's parents and intimate family members, among them all, Uddhava was the greatest. But he was sent to Vrindavan ostensibly to give a message from Krishna to the residents of Vrindavan. But actually, he could understand, I'm being sent here because although I'm considered the greatest devotee in Dwaraka, I have to learn actually what is bhakti from the residents of Vrindavan. So it's not a cheap thing but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has brought it and distributed it very widely. In this Kali Yuga, which is most extraordinary, because uh, people in Kali Yuga are the most degraded, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has given the highest theological understanding and the means to easily attain them by chanting the holy names of Krishna. And he's given that in Kali Yoga. So the, all in all, it's quite amazing. Therefore, Rupa Goswami has praised Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Namo Mahavadanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gora Trishayi Namaha That he praised him as Mahavadanya most magnanimous all the avatars of the Lord appear in the world to benefit the people of the world, to uplift them, to give them directions by which they may advance towards the platform of bhakti. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is most magnanimous because he is Krishna Prema Pradaya. He is giving love of Krishna, especially this highest love, Raja Bhakti, which is love of Krishna in Vrindavan, in the mood of Vrindavan, forgetting his opulence and simply appreciating and being attracted to the sweetness of Krishna. So he is uh, he is giving that how pradayate. He's not just giving, but he's forcing. He's vigorously distributing it. He's not sitting in some cave in the Himalayas or some forest and then anyone who goes through many difficulties to get there, he will give it to them. But no, he's, he is, uh, what is that, Maya, Maya Mrigam? How does that verse go? 
I'm not remembering now, Anvadhavat. He's running after the the conditioned souls who are like uh, toy animals in the hands of Maya, the illusory energy. He's chasing after them. Take Krishna Prem. Take Krishna Prem. He's making all efforts to spread this. <clears throat> He is Krishna. He is known as Krishna Chaitanya. His name means Krishna consciousness. He is Krishna, but he is covered with the golden complexion of Srimati Radharani. So Rupa Goswami has praised Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in this way. Namo Mahabharanyaya Krishna Premapadayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namnigaratvashena Maha and Srinivasa Acharya, who was in the next generation of Acharyas. These are all Acharyas. These, these are not uh, Babas wandering in Vrindavan looking for chapatis. <laughs> these are Acharyas. Nidrahara, Vihara, Kadi, Vijito. They conquered over eating and sleeping. So the description of their activities is given here by Srinivasa Acharya. Oh, would you like to sit on a seat? Be more comfortable to sit on a seat? No. No? Mm. So the description is given, Srinivasa Acharya was a Shiksha disciple of Srila Jiva Goswami and the leader of the devotees in the next generation. He's praying to the six Goswamis that they were always engaged in Krishna Kirtan, glorifying Krishna. So Krishna Kirtan takes the form of writing books, speaking about Krishna, and particularly by singing about Krishna. So they were singing about Krishna and dancing in the land of Vrindavan. Krishna Udkirtan, singing loudly, that we'll find elsewhere also, huh? later in the song, how they're calling out loudly. They appeared like madmen. They were from highly aristocratic backgrounds. But that will be described later on. But... They were, by singing and dancing about Krishna, they were in the Premamritambo, uh, they were in the ocean of the nectar of Krishna Prem, love of Krishna. It's highly poetic language and it's English is not a very good language for expressing these things. and Probably German isn't either. I don't know German. Or whatever language you're speaking, Russian. <laughs> but uh, this language is very nice. If we can, at least those who are Indian here, you can follow what it means. Krishnod Kirtana. Utkirtana means loud Kirtana. Krishnod Kirtana Gana Nartana Paro. Paro means attached to. Krishna, Kirtana, Gananap, 
Nartana Paro Prema Amrita Ambho Nidhi Prema Amrita and uh, Ambho Nidhi means the ocean so Prema Amrit the ocean of nectar of love of Krishna Dhira Dhira Janapriyo Priyakaro Nirmatsaro Pujito the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, Rup Sanatan Bhattaraguna, Srijiva Gopala Bhatta, Dasaraguna, they were dear to the Dhira and the Adhira. That means to the self-controlled persons, the saintly persons, and to the materialistic people who had no interest in controlling themselves, self-control. They were dear to everyone. Why? Because they are not envious of anyone. Everyone could appreciate these these people. They are our friends. And therefore they are worshipable. Shri Chaitanya Kripa Bharo Bhuvi Bhuvo Bharavahantarako they were the mm, they were filled up or they were the they were fully infused with the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and therefore they were competent to perform the function that the Supreme Lord performs when he comes to this world namely Bhubharharan removing the weight of the earth, the burden of the earth. Krishna comes, paritranaya sadhunam vinashayata duskritam. He comes to uplift the sadhus and destroy the rascals. So Chaitanya Mahabhu also does that and he is assisted by his sangopangarsha. Um, sanga, what is it? Uh, he is assisted by his devotees, his associates, his weapons. But his weapon is not Sudarshan Chakra or a club, but his weapon is simply sprinkling everyone with love of Krishna, changing the heart. So the six Goswamis, they helped to lift the burden of the world by uh, being Krishna conscious and spreading Krishna consciousness to others. Nana Shastra Vichara Naika Nipuno Sadharma Samsthapako The six Goswamis of Vrindavan were very expert in scrutinizing all the revealed scriptures with the aim of establishing Sadharma the real or the genuine or topmost religious principles. We find in the books of the six Goswamis, they've quoted, they quote principally from Srimad Bhagavatam, but they quote from so many different shastras, they read through so many different scriptures. Those days there were no printing presses, that means they had to collect different manuscripts. Maybe they, by, they had to walk to different places, different libraries and study scriptures. Nowadays we have 
electronic on the format we have in computers and we can make a quick search and find out so many things. But they had to personally read through so many scriptures and they'd find, yes, this point. We, we, let's, make, let's take this point and then they'd place it in a book where these valuable scriptures, they, they established the philosophy and practice of Krishna consciousness based on various scriptures and various contentious points within scripture they also discussed uh, to establish the supremacy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. Not in a... To establish the supremacy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings means not doing so out of sectarian rivalry, but lokanam hitakarino for this... Because it is the topmost... It's not just their claim, we are the best, this is the only way, damn all others, not like that. But uh, because this is the actual, is actually the topmost dharma, so it is for the benefit of all persons. So as welfare workers, as the topmost welfare workers, lokahita means welfare work for all persons. So they were, they were uh, practicing Krishna consciousness, studying the scriptures, and they arranged for the scriptures to be distributed. So practically it's the same thing going on. Prabhupada, he brought that to the whole world. Studied the scriptures, practiced the scriptures, and distribute them. And this is the topmost welfare work. Or the only welfare, only actual welfare work of any lasting value. So, Loka Anam Hitakarino Yosharanyakaro. For this contribution, they are they are worshipable or to be respected throughout all the three worlds. Even the, even the demigods in heaven, they have to respect that they are not on nearly as exalted as a platform as the six Goswamis. And they are, they are worth taking shelter of. We can take shelter. We can take shelter of demigods, but the result is antavattu palangte shantad bhavyatyaltamedasa or kamaistaistaihritigyana prapadyante nidevata. Yeah, that's the one. With that, out of material desires, we surrender to various demigods. But they can only give us temporary results. The demigods, they cannot help us nearly as much as the pure devotees of the Lord can. Therefore, people ask in our temples, why don't, why don't we worship Ganesh? Why don't we worship Shiva? We worship the pure devotees who are, the, who are more powerful than all the demigods. And we say, how are they more powerful? We, we don't... Uh, the demigods, they, they can award so many boons. And, but the pure devotee, Prabhupada, all the great acharyas, they award love of Radha and Krishna, which the demigods, they have no power to do because they don't have it themselves. So, as Narotandas, a disciple of the six Goswami, said, Anya Deva Shrainai Tomare Kohinobai E Bhakti Paramakara that by not taking shelter of various demigods and stringently sticking to the principle 
of only taking shelter of Krishna, this will cause our bhakti to flourish. So, uh, they are worth taking shelter of. Why? Because Radha Krishna Padara Vinda Bhajana Nandena Mattaliko. Because they were from external vision mad in their, uh, their constant worship of the lotus feet of Sri Sri Radha and Krishna. So, devotees, they can appreciate this. Non devotees will never appreciate it. Sri Gauranga Gunarna. So they were <coughs> solely enthusiastic about Krishna consciousness, glorifying the uh, transcendental, describing and glorifying the transcendental qualities of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And they, by Sprinkling Govinda Amrita by sprinkling the nectar of songs about Govinda, Papo Tapa Nikrinta Nota Nubritang Govinda. By doing that, by sprinkling the the nectar of Govinda upon the conditioned souls, they removed their sinful reactions and their sufferings, and in this way they. Uh, in this way, Ananda Anandam Buddhi Vardhanaika Nipuna, they're very expert increasing the ocean of transcendental bliss and delivering persons, Kaivalya Nistarako, delivering them from the concept that we have to merge into the so called oneness. These are summarizing very beautifully the the <coughs> the Contributions of the six Goswamis. Tadva Turnamashesha Mandalapati Shining Sada Tuchavat. They gave up uh, aristocratic association as just as insignificant. They were all Rupan Sanata and they were the the, the uh, finance minister and the prime minister in the government of the Emperor of Bengal. Highly, from a societal, social point of view, very high position. Bhatta Raghunath, Raghunath Bhatta was from an aristocratic Brahmin family of Varanasi. All of them were from Brahmana families, which was considered highly aristocratic, except Raghunath Das Goswami. And he, and he was from the family of an immensely wealthy landholder, Tremendously wealthy. So they all came from very high backgrounds. But they gave it up as insignificant. We're not interested in being big ministers or big Brahmins or any such things. Bhutva Dina Ganesha Ko Karunaya Kopina Kanta They took from the social point of view uh they took a very lowly position, like beggars. And they only had kopi, loincloth, and kanta, this patchwork quilt. This, they practically didn't have any possessions. But what, what incited them to do that? 
if we ask, now you give up your aristocratic, you, well, there's no aristocracy today, it's all democracy and every, the, arist, the so-called aristocracy of Europe has been wiped out. So, uh, if we ask you, you give up your nice job and your house and your position in your multinational corporation or whatever it may be, no, why should I do that? I worked hard to get this position. It's a very good position. Why should I do that? But they did. Why? Because they got something better. What is that? Much better. Gopi Bhavar Samrita Abdalahari Kalola Magno Muhur At every moment, diving and surfacing in the waves of the ocean of the bliss that the gopis experience in relationship with Krishna. So they were in Vrindavan. They were really in Vrindavan. We can go. You can get a flight from... There's flights now from Munich to Delhi probably. So you can fly and then get a taxi to Vrindavan and say, I'm in Vrindavan. Bring the lassie. Bring hot tea. Whatever it may be. But this is... Going to Vrindavan means Bishai Chariya Kabe Shuddha Habemon Tabe Hamaherabo Shri Vrindavan Giving up material desires becoming purified in our minds then we can see Vrindavan otherwise we'll see buildings and shops and pigs and we won't see Radha and Krishna even if we see the deities of course, going to Vrindavan is always beneficial, but real going to Vrindavan means following in the footsteps of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. So, this this kirtan we're, we're singing in describing the six Goswamis, it is uh, all at once describing them, and that way it's giving us knowledge of them and praising them and purifying us and summarizing the path that they chalked out that we are to follow, to follow in their footsteps. If we are to achieve the same uh, position that they are eternally situated in pure love of Krishna and that they very mercifully appearing with the all-merciful Chaitanya Mahaprabhu practiced and preached. So, in the next verse, describes more of their activities in Vrindavan. Kujat Kokila Hangsa Sarasa Gana Kirne Mayura Kule, describing the birds, some of the prominent birds, there's so many different birds, the, the transcendental birds of Vrindavan who give pleasure to Radha and Krishna. Kukil. I don't think there's any English word for that. It's translated as cuckoo. Prabhupada translated, but it's not really a cuckoo. It's a different, it's very sweet singing bird. Black. Hangsa, that's a swan. Sarasa means like a crane or something like a crane or a stalk you have here also. I don't know what the, you probably, you know these words? Yeah. Crane? 
they have also in in this part of the world in North Europe they have stock and Mayura means peacock that's the most famous of the birds in Vrindavan so Nana Ratna Nibadha Mula Vitapa Sri Yukta Vrindavane. So Vrindavan seems very simple. Vaikuntha is very grand. Dwarka is very grand. Palaces, gold and ivory and jewels. But Vrindavan is also. And even the Vrindavan that the six Goswamis were living in, it may have appeared to be some forest. But in every tree were jewels. What jewels? You may well, transcendental jewels are there. But you may think, all right, let me go to Vrindavan and dig up some jewels. But it should be understood that every grain of dust in Vrindavan is far more valuable than all the jewels in the world. Because it's touched by the lotus feet of Krishna. There's something even more valuable about the dust of Vrindavan. It's touched by the lotus feet of Krishna. That makes it very valuable. But what's even more valuable about the dust of Vrindavan? Even more valuable than being touched by the dust of the lotus feet of Krishna is that it's touched by the lotus feet of his devotees. And both Uddhava and Lord Brahma were praying that may I take birth in Vrindavan as some dust or creeper or shrub so that the gopis may place their feet on my heads, the dust of their feet may come on me. So in this transcendental treasure land of Vrindavan, which can be seen by purified eyes, the six Goswamis were Radha Krishna Maharanisham Prabhajato Jivaratado Yomuda, day and night engaged in intense worship of Radha and Krishna. Sometimes we dream. We'll go to some nice place, Bahama Islands or something like this, where the climate is very nice and we'll have a very nice house and a residence. And, and but, but what do people do? Just like now it's the holiday season. They're going on holiday to rainy, cold Croatia. I just came from there. They're expecting there'll be nice sunshine there, but actually it happens to be raining and much more rainy and cold than here. So people go, they want to go to some nice situation for a vacation. And when they get some nice situation, what do they do? They sleep. <laughs> they sleep more. Vacation means we sleep more. But having achieved such a beautiful place, or rather being eternal residents of Vrindavan, the six Goswamis, they weren't sleeping. Day and night, they were worshipping Krishna and setting the example for the conditioned souls, how we should utilize our time in the service of Krishna. And they're very happily doing so, not that, oh, now no more sleeping, no more eating, but very, very blissful, blissfully doing so. Yes, ecstasy, that's the word. Bliss, ecstasy. We only say these words, but we, the six Goswamis, they're, they're experiencing. 
We have to follow their footsteps. And just by their doing so, by the six Goswamis dancing and singing in transcendental bliss, they showed what is the actual meaning of life to the jivas who are dancing to the tune of Maya and dancing in 8,400,000 species of life and never happy. Sankhya purvaka nama gane natibhi kalavasanikritonya. They they passed their time again in stated in in singing and dancing and also <coughs> chanting the holy names to a fixed number. They also did that. They they were uh, showing the path of the the raga mark, the path of devotion to Krishna in attachment. But even in the Ragamark, they followed very strictly regulated principles. Raghunath Das Goswami, who is, who is the uh, one among the six Goswamis who more than any of them, they were all uh, proponents of the Ragamark, or the, the path of pure attachment to Krishna. So he was the most or he more than any other uh, exhibited love of Radha Krishna and especially love of Radha but his regulated principles were so strict it was mentioned like the line on, line on a stone he, he was very strictly followed regulated principles chanting uh, minimum 300,000 names of the Lord every day offering obeisances to 2,000 Vaishnavas, doing Dandavat Parikrama of Radha Kund, three times bathing in Radha Kund, Apatitasna, that means he, which suggests he took baths without going in the, but just taking the water. So uh, this is how they were spending their time. Not that uh, we came to Vrindavan and let's go to sleep. But never, practically never going to sleep. Nidra, Hara, Vihara, Kadi, Vijito. They gave up. They, they completely forswore. Practically, they didn't sleep. They didn't eat. They didn't engage in any other activities than those of Krishna consciousness 24 hours a day. Uh, Vijito. And but they at the same time they weren't puffed up. Oh, I'm a, I'm a great sadhu, but they're very humble. Atyanta dina. Radha Krishna gunasmrite. Madhurima. They were. Madhurima anandena mataliko. They were always. Uh, Samohito, sorry. They were always as if bewildered by the bliss of the sweetness of remembering the transcendental qualities of Radha and Krishna. So they were so much overwhelmed by this bliss that they they felt no they had, felt they had no time to or desire for or need for eating and sleeping. That is Krishna consciousness.
Then Radha Kunda Tate Kalinda Tanayati Rejavan Shivate. Sometimes on the bank of Radha Kund, sometimes on the bank of the river Yamuna or at Vangshivat, all the main pastime places of Radha and Krishna and Vrindavan, being maddened or as if mad in love of Krishna. Mm. Always they called out loudly or sometimes they described the glories of Lord Sri Hari. In this way they experienced the transcendental bliss of Krishna consciousness. Sometimes they would call out loudly, Hey Radhe Rajadevi Ke Chalalite Hinanda Suno Kutaha. Where are you? Radha. Where are you? The gopis of Vrindavan, Lalita, Vishaka. Where are you, son of Nanda Maharaj Krishna? Are you Shri Govardhana Kalpapada Patale? Are you No, they themselves uh, were doing this at the at the uh, base of the trees, the wish fulfilling trees at Govardhan. No, no, they were saying. Sorry, they were saying, "Are you? Yeah, are you at the? Are you hiding at the base of the trees, the wish fulfilling trees at Govardhan, or are you in the forest?" by the side of the Kalindi. So calling like this very loudly throughout the whole transcendental land of Vrindavan, they experienced kid, a kind of suffering or regret that I couldn't find Krishna. Prabhupada so many times, he quoted this, that people may say, I have seen Krishna, but the six Goswamis, they were Although they are always experiencing Krishna, but they were in the ecstasy of always looking for Krishna. So in this way, Kedair, Goshantaviti Sarvato Rajapuri, Kedair Mahavivalo. In this way, they were as if greatly confused. So this is the, this apparent suffering Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally and through the six Goswamis showed how the highest ecstasy is the apparent distress of being separated from Krishna and looking for Krishna. So this is how the six six Goswamis exhibited Krishna consciousness. Our own most worshipable Srila Prabhupada always exhorted us to follow in the footsteps of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan as a great Acharya and representative of the six Goswamis he translated their teachings and made them available to the world and uh, following in his footsteps we uh, attempt to distribute the teachings of the six Goswamis as they are presented by Srila Prabhupada to the people of the world and in this way we desire 
to gain their blessings so that we may follow in their footsteps and become qualified to enter into Vrindavan. Hare Krishna. Is there any question about this? It's very high topics. We should know what our aim is, what is our goal. Here we are struggling in this nasty material world with our nasty material desires and sometimes not struggling, many times instead of surrendering to Krishna, surrendering to our material desires. But we are to follow in the footsteps of our acharyas who are beyond all material desires and who always experience intense spiritual desires to serve Radha and Krishna. So, anything, any question? Yeah. Uh, just a little question about Vrindavan, because it's, it's everything about Vrindavan here. Yeah, we're discussing Vrindavan. And just read recently in Rihad Bhagavatamrita uh, that even in Vrindavan, the local Vrindavan, there are demons existing. When Gov Kumar was traveling, he was in Mathura and he was afraid of, of Kamsa and he left Mathura very quickly, so I was a little bewildered. Can you... Oh, you were a little bewildered reading about Vrindavan, that's good. Is <laughs> here the, uh, the Goswamis, it said, Maha Vivalo, they were greatly bewildered. So if you're a little bewildered, then you're beginning <laughs> on the path. Well, this is discussed, where is that? Um, I believe it's in one of the purports in Adi Lila that there are no actual demons in Golok, but there is uh, there's talk of them. There's talk. It's like there, just like in in Golok Vrindavan, there are there are no husbands of the gopis, but they're they're kind of presumed to be there. It all adds to the drama. Lila means drama. Hmm. Anything else? Ah, you also had a question. Uh, in this material world, how to surrender uh, automatically to Krishna? How to surrender automatically to Krishna? Well, surrendering automatically is done by those whose feelings for Krishna are fully aroused. We don't do so because our attraction is the other way, to Maya. Therefore, Rupa Goswami Prabhupada the leader of the, or the foremost among the six Goswamis, he has given us the path of Sharanagati, the path of taking shelter, which he has outlined in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, that we have to follow the path of Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti, the path of following the rules and regulations of Bhakti, which if followed, under the guidance of experienced devotees, help us to gradually awaken our feelings for Krishna. So there's a path by which we can gradually surrender. That path is being given in this International Society for Krishna Consciousness. How we can, by following regulated principles, gradually come to the stage of spontaneous devotion to Krishna. 
Have you read this Nectar of Devotion? Yeah, it's talking. Yeah, you please read that. That will be very helpful for you. And follow all the directions given by devotees as given by Prabhupada. One of them, I must say, I was saying in the class is Anya Deva Shrainai, not taking shelter of other demigods and and that's part of the Sharanagati that there are six principal features of Sharanagati and one of them is this Anya Deva Shrine that we should only take shelter of Krishna so I'm just I was a little surprised when I came in the door and so the first thing I saw a big picture of Ganesh because usually when we come in the Krishna temples we, we see pictures of Krishna so this is certainly not something that Prabhupada gave us to have pictures of demigods. So better when people come they can think of Krishna. Of course Ganesh is also devotee, not nearly as important a devotee as Srila Prabhupada. So we could put a picture of Prabhupada and we can that will help us better to become Krishna conscious. We should be careful not to. That Vaishnav culture is in this world is uh, has traditionally been taking place or, or enacted within the broader culture that we call Vedic culture or Hindu culture. So we should be careful to take guidance from our acharyas to take that part which will lead us to Krishna because the broader Hindu culture keeps us in the material world maybe in the heavenly planets but that's not it's actually not better than the earth planet the earth, earth is better than the heavenly planets because we have greater scope for practicing Krishna consciousness yeah, or taking up Krishna consciousness very seriously yeah you had a question? Uh, yes thank you for that um, lecture first and I try to formulate it. I just wonder, um, let's say, whether uh, they are beginners or um, devotees highly advanced to practice this method for 30 years. There is always, um, there seem to be always much more of devotion. If, if you look at the Goswamis, as you explain their life, uh, their enthusiasm, uh -huh. I wonder how you and how you yourself and mm. how what you would recommend to everyone else on whatever level he might be how to accelerate from this level more because many of us do already as much as they can I mean from their level at their uh, time and there is always a feeling, oh, one could chant much more, one could study mm. much more, one could do so much more of everything. So there is always a kind of big lag in advance mm. in front of us. At least something is done, but one just sees one one's own insignificance to the service possible. Mm. What would you advise <laughs> to everyone? Well, the... I, I, it seems that what you're saying is like the Goswamis, they're so advanced. They're, 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 again and again in this song, we're saying how they're mad in love of Krishna. And here we're, we're 
practically more mad than the non-devotees because they're just mad but we have the highest knowledge and still we're not fully surrendering to Krishna so in one sense we're more crazy because if you don't know about the highest thing and then you don't pursue it then that's just crazy but if you know and still we're attracted to Maya then, then in one sense we're more crazy so uh how to be like the six Goswamis? Well, interestingly enough, we don't recommend that go to Radha Kund and put on a loincloth. We don't recommend that. And they say, oh, why not? We're following six Goswamis. But we have to follow them through the parampara, what is suitable for the present time. So we follow the six Goswamis through Bhakti Nod Thakur, Srila Bhakti Sarasar Thakur, Srila Prabhupada, fulfilling the mission of the Goswamis, who Sri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Sthapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadama Hyam Dadati Swapadanti Kam. Rupa Goswami is prayed to that may, we're praying to Rupa Goswami, when will he shower his mercy upon us? Rupa Goswami, who uh, made the heart's desire of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu manifest in this world. So generally that's understood based on the description in Chaitanya Charitamrita that Rupa Goswami revealed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, longing feelings for Krishna. But another meaning of this as particularly Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasar has revealed that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also had the desire that was his personal desire, but then his desire for the world, that means us, is priti vite ache jato nagaradigram sabhatra pracha hoibe moranam that Krishna conscious be spread in every town and village of the world. So, Srila uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvaktaka has given a purport in Chaitanya Charitamrita and Prabhupada has translated that, that one can become a Rupanuga devotee. One should not try to imitate Rupa Goswami, but one should follow the line of Rupa Goswami, particularly by uh, writing and distributing books on Krishna consciousness for the uplift of the general populace. And this will be very pleasing to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and by their blessings, we will be able to come to that platform. So that is the path given for us by our recent acharyas how to become a Rupa Anuga devotee so this uh, far more beneficial for our own spiritual upliftment and certainly that of the world far more important for us than to to go to or go to Radha Kund actually we can't go to Radha Kund but imagine ourselves going to Radha Kund is to uh, take this Bhagavad Gita out in the streets and distribute it. And this way we'll follow the six Goswamis. Those who are uh, very intelligent in understanding spiritual life can see the connection. Because it, it's the service to the mission of the six Goswamis. Whereas if we, uh, not at all being qualified, try to artificially gatecrash into Radha Kund, then the result will be that by our consciousness, when we, we may be physically, apparently, we, at the Radha Kund as its 
designated as being a part of Uttar Pradesh state. So he may be in part of Uttar Pradesh, but we won't be in the Radha Kund of Rupa Goswami, Raghunath Das Goswami. That uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said that so many Babaji's living there, they're not at Radha Kund, they're at Narak Kund, which means a pit of hell. And he warned his disciples that if you go to Radha Kund, if you think you can go there without qualification, then instead of thinking of Radha and Krishna, you will think of women and money and eat and sleep and fall down. So we should become qualified to go to Radha Kund. But interesting, later Acharyas, they they didn't even live there, many of them didn't even live there physically on the, on this, but they, they lived there spiritually. Bhaktivinoda Thakur certainly always lived at Radha Kund, although he made his residence in Calcutta. When, uh, at that time, the capital of the British Empire and the most materialistic city in the whole of Asia at that time. <coughs> the, so, uh, this, uh, so many, Narottam Das Thakur sung so many songs longing for Vrindavan while he lived uh, on the banks of the Padma River in East Bengal. Bhagavan Das Babaji, he, he lived on the bank of the Ganga in Kalna. So apparently all these devotees, they weren't living at Radha Kund, they were living elsewhere. But they only lived at Radha Kund, actually. Whereas others may theoretically have been be living at Radha Kund. But by their consciousness, they are separated by millions of miles. <laughs> so this, uh, by following the process that Prabhupada has given us, which is the process coming in the parampara from the six Goswamis, we can achieve the highest perfection. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Prabhu kahe kahe lam e maha mantra eha japagiye shabe kariye nibandha eha hoite sharva shiddhi hoibe shoba sarva khan kahanam vidhinahiya Chaitanya Mahabharata said, I told you the maha mantra. Prabhu kahe kahe lam e maha mantra. Everyone should chant this following the rules and regulations of spiritual life. And simply by this process, by this simple process, Everyone can attain all perfection. There's no need to take up anything else. This is sufficient in itself. Or as Prabhupada simply put it, do not think that this chanting and dancing will not lead to the highest perfection. It will. They may say, well, I'm chanting for 30 years and I'm still here. Well, So what should we say? Go on. 30 years isn't much. <laughs> but go on. But at the same time, we should... See where we you know we, we should be in following in the mood of the six Goswamis that very strongly uh, trying Tivrena Bhakti Yogena very strongly trying to be Krishna conscious. It's not that we can mix our Krishna consciousness with uh, so many material desires and still expect to have the result. Prabhupada, this book of Rupa Goswami, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Prabhupada, his English translation, the Nectar of Devotion, he gave it the subtitle, The Complete Science of Bhakti Yoga. Interesting. 
And Prabhupada gave them the term science. Science means it's predictable. If you if you do one thing, you get one result. If you do something else, you get another result. If you if you what is it? If you make alcohol at various temperatures, then at one temperature by processing you'll get ethyl alcohol, and another temperature you'll get methyl alcohol. And uh, so it's a very scientific problem. That's why often in India you see, you read in the newspaper, 80 people died from home-made alcohol because they distilled it at the wrong temperature. And it, it blinds you or kills you by drinking. So it's scientific. If you do it the right way, you get ethyl alcohol, which is somewhat drinkable. That's the alcohol in wine and beer popular part of traditional German culture. But then if you distill at other temperatures, then you get another kind of alcohol which is not digestible by the human system. And it causes poison, blindness or even death. So it's predictable. If you, if you follow the process exactly, you, you mix the right chemicals at the right temperature, then it's predictable. You'll get results. This acid plus alkali reacts to form salt and water. Predictable. So the same thing, although Krishna consciousness depends on Krishna's mercy, ultimately, at the same time, if we follow the process very carefully, it's predictable that we will get Krishna's mercy by showing that we're serious about following. But if we don't follow if we commit offenses and we don't chant properly and we break the principles, then we won't we won't get the same result. It's not all the same. We can't say that following strictly and not following strictly are all the same. It's not going to be the same. But if we do follow strictly, then certainly uh, we, sh- we can have the faith that Krishna will help us, the devotees will help us. And we may not even see how we're making advancements. In fact, if we are making advancement, then we'll think that I'm not making advancement. That's a, 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 a uh, what's the word? A irony. Irony, uh, dilemma, not exactly the word I can't. Protection. Paradox. Paradox, that's the right word, yeah, you got it. Paradox of Krishna consciousness. <laughs> yeah. The people in the other yugas uh, become they also Krishna Prema? Do people in other yugas also get Krishna Prema? Uh, yes, they may do, to some degree. But particularly at this time, Chaitanya is the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's, he's opening, the, opening the door and showering the mercy. So generally in other yugas, there's no knowledge of Vraja Bhakti. Or it's very limited and not... This is Brahmara Duralava Prem. Even Lord Brahma, it's very difficult for him to imagine getting this kind of love of Krishna. Even the Dwaraka Vasis, eternal associates of the Lord, they don't get it. So it's it's simply amazing how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving this. Uh, we have the opportunity to take it. Chaitanya Daya Kata Karaha Bicha Bicha Karile Chitte Hobe Chamatka. That if we, if we consider 
the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, how he's giving this highest, rarest, very difficult to attain mercy to the lowest, most, not even unqualified, but practically disqualified people, then if we consider this, then we'll simply be amazed. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, how to accept others' uh, freedom of choice? Uh, you see so many people outside, um, they are engaged in all kinds of materialistic activities. But when we see them, we see that we are... Actually, it, it's because of we being so puffed up, means I'm talking about myself. So, if there is uh, some pride in what we are following, like we are following devotional service, so we are thinking we are higher than the others, so we see others as different and then we do not accept their freedom of choice and in that way we cannot actually share this compassion with other people. Others' freedom of choice, not accepting others' freedom of choice and thinking ourselves better because we are on the path of Krishna consciousness. Well, in one sense a devotee is proud. Chaitanya Mahabharu taught that devotees should be humble but we should be proud, not the kind of pride that's associated with arrogance but the, the, the satisfaction of being associated with the dust of the lotus feet of the great Acharyas. We shouldn't think I am great but we should think that I am so fortunate to be associated with, our, with the, the great devotees on this path. As far as freedom of choice is concerned this is something which is very much propagated in the modern age everyone should have freedom as much as possible to pursue whatever they want to pursue and to believe whatever they believe. But actually this is, this is propagated as being a very, uh, a very developed stage of civilization, but actually it's demoniac. It's not something laudable at all. Rather, people should be directed towards that which is for their actual good. If you, you give freedom to... and you. You don't give knowledge of what is the highest good and it's promoted that sense gratification is the, is the best aim of human life. So freedom to pursue sense gratification means you, it's like uh, giving a bunch of pigs lots of room to move in, that's all. That's what it actually comes to. People are, people are just, in the name of freedom, there's you know, pornography and all kinds of sex, you know, whatever all kinds of sex imaginable and unimaginable and it's simply a, a pig house that's all so this freedom of choice it's promoted as something very exalted but without giving knowledge of Krishna and or, or without directing people to the actual goal of life then the freedom of choice means you know, which way do you want to go to hell that's all <laughs> it's not anything laudable so we shouldn't think that it's that we have to respect people's of cho freedom of choice. It's not respectable. Why should it be respected? It's a demoniac principle. We should see it as a, as a great mistake of modern society that they think there should be freedom. But rather, there should be discipline so that people can live their life in a regulated manner and make progress towards Krishna consciousness. So there's all this, you know, we have to respect other people's rights. And the right to what? The right to live like an animal? That's not a human right, that's subhuman. What they call human rights, it's, uh, it's, it's based on a 
total ignorance of the pur- of the purpose of human life. If we are to accept the Shastra conclusion, then we have to conclude like this. And they will call this fundamentalism or fanaticism because they don't want to be restricted in any way or, or accept that there is some actual code of human behavior. Any, uh, they, they take it as an imposition that there are rules of human life. They have rules also. <laughs> but their rules, they have so many rules. Probably in human society at the present time, there are more laws than at any other time. But their laws are to facilitate sense gratification. So what's the use? There's so many laws. Life was much more simple. Now it's complex, so you need more laws. There's a whole set of laws of traffic regulations and then chemical regulations. (coughs) And then they have... Before life was very simple. They... uh, Man and woman got married, and that was it. And they had laws of uh, of what is that uh, property, how it's distributed, and uh, women's women's property and the husbands. So it was all there, in at least in Hindu society, in Islamic society also. It's the, the there's the secular and the religious. They're all it's seamless. There's no there's no distinction between them. But now it's so complicated because they allowed divorce and marriage between man and man and they made it so much more complicated. So they have so many more laws. Before the family used to look after the children and the old people, but now they have to have pensions and old age homes and children's welfare societies. They made it so much more complex. Otherwise it was just a normal thing that people... Within the family, everyone looks after everyone else. But now they don't have families, practically. So they have to have all government agencies and this. They made life so much more complex. Because they, because instead of emphasizing duty and responsibility in human life, which is the basic principle of the, of the uh, social system, they emphasize personal enjoyment and therefore the family broke down. That uh, you don't like your husband? Okay, get another one. You don't like your wife? Kick her out. Get another one. Then the kids are left and uh, because life is for enjoyment. So enjoy. You don't like your wife? Well, no problem. There's plenty of women around. The one you're going to work with, you're sitting next to all day, you know, Talk, talk to her a little bit and then she'll divorce her husband and you can marry her. So in this way, they, they made a big mess because they, they take the goal of life as personal enjoyment instead of responsibility. It's a complete disaster. But they're so proud. Our society is the best and democracy and humanitarianism and and if you don't believe in it, we'll invade you and bomb you and attack you and, until you accept it. We're bringing democracy to Iraq. 
You just had to you know, kill a few thousand Iraqis and bomb the place to pieces and then you can be democratic. We love you. <laughs> Let's finish there. Hare Krishna. No? All right. One more question. <laughs> One more question, comment or protest, maybe. Sometimes uh, when I'm studying books, uh, I met people and I want to give them a right complaining of our movement. A right? Uh, 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 right impression. Right understanding of, of our movement. Yeah. But... Uh, it's, pre it's pretty difficult to give a right understanding just to people roar on the street. Yeah. <laughs> and they have to, it takes some time to... I mean, I don't understand it myself after so many years, so... To some extent, but you know, we're talking about the six Goswamis, but you know, actually understanding and realizing it's not such an easy thing. <laughs> we want to give a good impression, but we can't expect that people that you know, just by meeting us once they go, or we speak to them for five minutes or even 50 minutes that they can understand what this movement's all about. It's not very easy to understand actually because. It, it works on the transcendental principle of we are meant for serving Krishna. Prabhupada usually, in almost all cases, he started at the beginning by talking to people, about by telling them that we're not the body. That's where Prabhupada started. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of understanding. Or, as you're doing, you can give them Prabhupada's books. That's a very good start. Yeah, so? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, sometimes you know you uh, sometimes I'm I'm in a conflict. I want to give them a right understanding, but I also I don't want to disturb them. You know, when uh, when for example, they yeah, I've heard it said that Prabhupada had said that when he landed in America, he said if they knew what I was actually doing, they would have said, Swamiji, get back on that boat. What is our aim? Well, our aim is to love Krishna, but our social aim is no meat-eating, no gambling, no intoxication, no illicit sex. In India, Prabhupada, he's... What is that? He, he had some ideas. He told Indira Gandhi. He wanted to tell her that uh, no religious group except Bhagavad Gita as it is. All government officers must join Kirtan at least twice a day. Meat eaters at home, no public meat eating. This is Prabhupada's. All MPs, initiated brahmanas, closed slaughterhouses. These are some of the things that Prabhupada was going to say to Indira Gandhi when he had an appointment to meet her. But then she cancelled the appointment because Sheikh Mujibir Rahman of Bangladesh had just been shot dead and the word was out that she was next on the list. So she cancelled the appointment. But Prabhupada was going to tell her this. This is what you should do. <laughs> so Prabhupada had a lot of... Prabhupada had many social ideas. And many of them are not very popular at all. That's why Prabhupada said, if they knew what I was coming to say, they would have put me back on the boat. <laughs> anyway, we're a long way from there. A long way from closing the slaughterhouses. Although there has been progress. At least there are a lot more vegetarians nowadays than there were in 1966. Some progress is there. Hare Krishna. What's your question? Uh, Prabhuji, you have just explained that uh, 
people which are involved in materialistic activities, they does not deserve uh, respect from the devotees, the real devotees. Uh, uh, well, I didn't exactly say that. That the non-materialistic people don't deserve respect from devotees. Devotees respect everyone, but we don't necessarily respect their present activities. We res- devotee respects every living being because knowing that Krishna is in everyone's heart. But and and we may behave respectfully to everyone, but that doesn't mean that we think that what they're doing is respectable. There's a difference. Uh, it may be that sometimes devotees, they speak very strongly to non-devotees also, as a, as a means of preaching. Prabhupada did that a lot. So the whole aim is how to bring people to Krishna consciousness, knowing this to be the only actual welfare for them. And uh, in my family in India, uh, my family and relatives, they think that they are Kshatriyas by birth. Meat eaters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they think that they are allowed to eat meat by birth. So you tell them that uh, you are allowed to eat meat, but you have to go in, into the forest and hunt. <laughs> And it's illegal nowadays, probably, to do that anyway. And uh, and then it, you have to offer it in sacrifice and all this kind of thing. The thing is that people are not sincere. They don't want to listen. They might listen to you a little bit because you're respectable in their eyes because you're working in Germany. Is it? You have some kind of prestige when you go back to India for... In my family, we have tradition to go down and pay obeisance to every old old person. And uh, yeah, that's, all, that's the, all the people uh, come, they are all meditators and they are involved all the No, as a family tradition, that's good to do that. Okay. That doesn't necessarily mean that you follow if they tell you to eat meat. Okay. But you. that's good culture. Where are you from? Punjab? No, I'm from Maharashtra. Maharashtra. Still in Maharashtra. You know, I don't see so many people in Maharashtra bowing down to their parents. In your area, which area? Uh, it's near to, it's exactly the center of India, Nagpur. Nagpur, yeah. Mm. Then, still more. Questions are coming now. <laughs> All right. Vapros. <laughs> Mahaprabhu was telling, or you were telling the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was uh, running uh, behind the uh, conditioned souls, and sometimes we also want to run behind. Mayavrigam dayatepsitam anvadhavad. We want to run behind them to get some mercy from them so that we can become sense enjoyers like them. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was running after them to give mercy to them so they could stop being sense enjoyers and become enjoyed by Krishna. So. If we run after them to give them Krishna consciousness, that's very good. Because we don't have a proper level and purity, sometimes it looks like looks sectarian or fanatical. No, it's not necessarily because we are less pure that we may be seen as sectarian. It's because people don't understand it, that's all. Krishna consciousness may appear to be sectarian, but that's not a fault of Krishna consciousness. Our our own neophyte state that may exacerbate the problem. 
So, so the question is, should we go on? <laughs> the spirit or what should we do? <laughs> because people misunderstand us, therefore we should stop preaching? No, of course not. She wants to know to which extent, how should we see to which extent to... It's, a, it's an incredibly, it's a very general question. How can you expect a specific answer? But uh, in general, we should, we, sh- we must go on trying to preach Krishna consciousness and at the same time, we must practice Krishna consciousness so that we can be worthy representatives of the message we are presenting. That's a general answer. You going to finish? Never finish. Nidra, Nidra, Vihara, Kadi, Vijito, give up all eating and sleeping and um, there are some groups uh, or some other masks that have told um, that it's more important to hear about uh, Radha and Krishna than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu than the Holy, than about the Holy Name and the basics of the preaching from Bhagavad Gita or Bhagavatam. And also in Germany, some of them who are preaching like this. And how to handle with them or what to... I don't know what... Kind of religion. What are they saying? It's more important to talk about Radha Krishna than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Yes, than the holy name. That, uh, than, because we most more, what do they say? It's more important to chant the holy name than? <laughs> than what? No, the, the, the thought is more important uh, to um, hear about Radha, Radha Krishna and chant the holy names. No, no chant the holy names. Just mm. hear about Radha Krishna. And don't chant. And chant, chant when you, if you like to chant. If you feel oh, well, that's not Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching. I just quoted that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Iha hoite sarva siddhi, by chanting the holy names, all perfection will come. And it's it's a complete process. Rupa Goswami has given so many activities, attending the arati, engaging in Sankirtan, hearing the Bhagavatam, even if you're to hear Radha Krishna, you have to hear from the Bhagavatam. And Bhagavatam, that, that has so many instructions. Now we have to hear, we have to hear from the beginning. It's a, it's a silly claim. Anyway, what are people in Germany going to do hearing about Radha and Krishna? Well, you know, they have no background, no culture. They have no idea what it is. So you have to hear philosophy. Otherwise, what are you going to understand about Radha and Krishna? Any, I wouldn't worry about so many. So many people say so many things. They come and go. <laughs> There's so many. You know, ten years ago there were some groups. Now there are this group and that group. But where there's the actual potency of spiritual life, that will remain. If it's true, then we'll see. It's good. Let them. If it's. But often we see these people. They talk about Radha, Krishna, Prem, Braj, Leela, and then they just. They're, they're, their members go home and turn on the TV and smoke marijuana. So, <laughs> no, no, not necessary to emphasize chanting. So it's like they're talking about the highest thing, but they don't even have the most basic practices. It's a, this is cheating. It's easy to see. It's not difficult to understand. Those who want, they'll be cheated. Hare Krishna. Finish now? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs>